Hi, great to have you back here in PT Meal. This episode is about humanitarian work. My guest is a physical therapist, an alumna of Silliman University, and she's now working as a humanitarian worker for humanity and inclusion. We talked about how she started in volunteer work before ending up with Humanity and Inclusion, formerly Handicap International. She discussed challenges humanitarian workers face in their daily practice as well as their lives. She also shared her motivations in continuing in her work as well as the lessons and advice she wants to impart to others who would like to be in the humanitarian aid scene. Now, let's go on with the conversation. Okay, welcome back to another episode of PT Meal Podcast, a buffet of play, therapies, movement, exercises, activities, and leisure, all packed in a hearty conversation of, of physical therapy profession and practice. I am Johan De La Paz, your host. Welcome to the show. So today we are going to talk about humanitarian work and uh, to help us understand what that is, is uh, Raisa Dehito. did I say that right? Yes. <laughs> of uh, humanity and inclusion, and she's a program director for Nepal, India, and Sri Lanka. Welcome to the show, Raiza, and I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for having me, Johan. I'm also glad to be here and be able to share my experiences in, in humanitarian work as a physiotherapist or physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Right, amazing. Uh, as I was telling you when I read the write up, uh, you being a physical therapist uh, doing humanitarian, I was really amazed and one of the aim of this podcast is to uh, broaden the perspective of our fellow Filipino physical therapists in areas where they can flourish, they can thrive, they can, you know, contribute and leave their legacy and, of course, excel. So this is humanitarian, humanitarian work is, is maybe one of the areas some people, some physical therapists might want to look into if they, they you know, want to practice in there. So before we dive into the topic, um, could you give us, uh, talk, to us, talk to us a little bit about your background as a physical therapist? How did you become a physical therapist? And what is your role right now? All right. So I graduated as a physical therapist uh, in the Philippines in Silliman University in uh, 2000. So that was the time when I enrolled as a physical therapist uh, for, for BSPT. Mm-hmm. It was actually the time where lots of, of physical therapists are going abroad, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, as, as, as a Filipino uh, family, it was like, okay, you know, you either go for nursing or a physical therapist, you can go abroad, you have a good life, mm-hmm. practice your profession and be uh, successful. So I, 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 uh, I studied for five years. And then after that, um, you know, uh, I took the board exam and thankfully I passed. So um, after that, I was already preparing to, you know, for my, um, let's say, application to go to the U.S. So it was it was a it was a good plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I was doing that, I was also um getting some bit of experience. So I volunteered in um, like rural health units in, in Kanlaon City in Negros Oriental. So that's where I come from. That's my birthplace. And um, I was also some kind of, a, I don't know, like a temporary uh, physical therapist in, in a district hospital for four years. Yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, for four years. And then um, actually one of the reasons I also took physical therapists is to become a doctor. So I, I said, you know, um, this will be like my stepping stone to uh to, to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I liked the profession. So I was doing more of a community-based rehabilitation. I was also dabbling into um, home-based uh, physical therapy. Um, I was really interested in, in neuro mm-hmm. cases. So I was uh, more into really uh, stroke and, and, and things like that, uh, traumatic brain injury. So that was for four years, but then the pay was not really good. I mean, in in, in the in the in public hospitals, in government hospitals. So I decided uh, maybe I should go out um, of 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 this profession and try out, you know, uh, you know, go go to Cebu. So I went to Cebu City. I I I was um, employed in a publishing company, totally different uh, from from my work physical therapist I still did a little bit of home home visits here and there but that that was it and then I came across a a newspaper clipping 
uh, for VSO, so it's a voluntary service overseas. Uh, so this organization is actually an international organization's uh, organization that sends um, international volunteers all over the world. So I applied, and then I got um, I got accepted, and I uh, I went to uh, Ethiopia um, alone, yeah, for for the first time in Africa. Um, uh, with fifty fifty dollars in, in my pocket, <laughs> it was a total leap of faith. Actually, so I went to Ethiopia to become a physical therapist trainer. Mm-hmm. So um, I was sent to this really nice touristy place in in the north of Ethiopia. Um, it was it was a teaching hospital, and I was kind of teaching the. Uh, the student physical therapist and also already um, the the working physical therapist uh, on clinical record keeping, you know, <laughs> those kind of things uh, uh, because there was uh, really a lack of documentation at that time. And of course, you know, um, coming from coming from our our um, uh, from Silliman University, it was really a very uh, important job to document, right? I mean, right. For, for all physical therapists, but it was not happening at that time in Ethiopia. So that was kind of my role. Um, it was a volunteer role. I was getting very little money for like a stipend. And my mom was not very happy about it, actually. <laughs> because, you know, I spent a lot on you and then you would go and volunteer in Africa. And, right. you know, uh, she didn't understand. Um, why I did that and mm-hmm. I totally abandoned my plan to go to the US so I was about to take the state board already and I totally abandoned it and I said I think I have found my calling and I will be working um, in the in the humanitarian and development sector mm-hmm. so that was it it's still very difficult to explain that to many people mm-hmm. especially my family but I think yeah. they are starting to <laughs> to accept so that was uh, in, um, let's say, 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. So that was like a decade, decade ago, more than a decade ago already. Mm-hmm. Right. And here, yeah, now I'm here. Right. So when you, when you first had a taste of volunteer work, humanitarian work in, 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 Ethiop- in Ethiopia, what clicked? What is that something that made you, oh, this is, this is it. This is where I want to be. This is where I feel fulfilled. You know, um, so Ethiopia, uh, of course, it's a it's a developing country mm-hmm. like the Philippines. Mm-hmm. But I was um, assigned in an area where there's uh, very um, uh, lots of poverty. I would say you can see poverty everywhere, mm-hmm. um, and there are lots of people who are who cannot afford um, medical care and who cannot afford uh, rehabilitation, um, mm-hmm. physical rehabilitation, functional rehabilitation. So um, I was in a, in a government hospital and I remember there was a, a 16-year-old boy who, um, who had spinal cord injury. So he was kind of climbing a tree, I think helping his father uh, get honey from the bees to sell in the market. Mm-hmm. And he fell. So he had a spinal cord injury and he was assigned to me and my student um, at that time. And I somehow was kind of emotionally attached to, to his story. Mm-hmm. And his father was always there. And the fact that this boy spoke very good English. And, you know, we were talking about his dreams. He wanted to become a doctor. He mm-hmm. wanted to go to the U.S. and help his family. And then, so, you know, uh, we had this conversation every day while I was doing my, my, my uh, therapeutic exercises and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, one day uh, I found his bed empty, you know? So I was like, where is he? Where is he? Uh, I, I thought he died, but he didn't die. Mm-hmm. And then I spoke to one of the doctors, uh, an Ethiopian doctor, and he said, well, he was not going to survive anyway. So why would we keep him here? There was, there's no future for him anyway. So why would we keep him, you know? Wow. So that really struck me and I thought, oh, because they can't afford uh, rehabilitation, they don't have, um, you know, it's like 
yeah, they don't have a future anymore. They don't have hope anymore, and they become burden, uh, a burden to their family. And I think that that, that was the, the thing that really clicked. And I said, if I can offer my my services to to, to people who cannot afford um, uh-huh. rehabilitation, then I would probably be um, at least making um, making some contribution. You know, uh-huh. so, yeah. I think that was the, the the main thing that really clicked. But of course, there are other <laughs> other stories as well. Um, uh-huh. uh, you know, maybe if I can say, I mean, I was already. Uh, it, this is in South Sudan. Uh, after after Ethiopia, I went to South Sudan, and then I went to this village. So this very remote village in South Sudan. I was talking to the village leaders. So we were trying to assess how many because in South Sudan there are so many uh, people with disabilities and children with disabilities because you know malnutrition, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of injuries. You know. Um, Anyway, uh, so I went there and then I couldn't see a, a single child with disability. So I asked the village chief, so where are um, your, your, your children uh, with disabilities here? Don't you have any children with disabilities? And they were like saying nonchalantly, you know, ah, yeah, if you have a, if you have a baby who don't, doesn't have an arm or he's like cannot talk or, or, or cannot walk or, you know, all these things, then we just throw them in the river. Oh, that's... Yeah. Uh... So, you know, sometimes when you sit in your, <laughs> in the comfort of your, of, of, of the clinic, for example, you don't think about these things. Right. But when you go out there, there are things like this that are happening. So it's like we just throw them in the river because they don't have a future anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they will just be burdened to the family. Uh, you know, they, they cannot contribute uh, to the, you know, to the to the family's um, income, for example. Oh. And they will be bullied. They will be discriminated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we just throw them and, and, and save them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and save them from all this um, suffering uh, mm-hmm. while they grow up. So, you know, um, these things are, are quite... Uh, like strong um, strong memories for me that uh, right. sometimes when I get a little um, disappointed or frustrated I, I, I go back to this uh, memory and, and say uh-huh. okay that, that's that's the reason why I'm, I'm actually doing what I'm doing um, at the moment yeah so wow wow that's that's really <laughs> that's, that's heavy I mean it is yeah knowing that people would just throw away babies just because, I mean, not just because, but because they they don't see any future with them or they don't have the capacity to help that, that child. It's, it's heartbreaking. Wow. Um, I, I I would just imagine, I couldn't imagine how, how you transitioned for with that since, you know, we, we practice in physical therapy in the Philippines that we know, uh, it's somewhat accessible, shall I say, compared to what your story was. But how were you able to? Where did you get that that courage, that that you know, that stamina to you know, <laughs> to bear all that? That that's kind of heavy coming from a different culture, a different background, like mm-hmm. like us. It's not for everybody, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not for everybody and the the thing is that even when I was still a student I was uh-huh. already doing a lot of volunteer work I was a volunteer for Gawad Kalinga in, in oh, okay. yeah so um I think I would say that I was really interested in it it didn't come just like like that you know mm-hmm. um over the years I I became more and more interested in social activism mm-hmm. um, in social work in, in in humanitarian work I've read a lot um my, my favorite uh, thing to read was actually National Geographic you know I, I'm reading a lot about about uh, Africa and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, all these things so yeah, it was, it was, uh, I think I have prepared myself for it um, mm-hmm. by all these things. But at the same time, it's not easy, uh, like I said, to transition. Um, mm-hmm. But having, um, having known a lot of humanitarian um, workers, 
from from a volunteer stint in Ethiopia, and then when I became a you know a professional humanitarian worker um, when I started in South Sudan, it really helps mm-hmm. um, because they will share uh, experiences. You know, they can share experiences, and and that they somehow also share you share the same frustrations, you share the same issues, you share the same problems and successes as well. Mm-hmm. So you somehow have that. Uh, support system already, which is which is really important. You cannot work in a in in, in this field without having that that support system. The disadvantage is that you you know you, you can't go into humanitarian work half heartedly. You know you have That's to true. give everything. Uh, you do have a lot of sacrifices, you know, um, mm-hmm. you don't see your family most of the time. And then you lose your friends uh, one after the other because you are no longer kind of, you know. Um, You're not uh, within reach. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And also, you know, when I go home to the Philippines and then when I see my friends, it's like, okay, you know, when they say, ah, you know, uh, all these complaints about, you know, uh, for me, um, sorry to say this, but sometimes uh, we complain um, mm-hmm. about our life, and then I just say, you know, this this is really petty, and I don't have time for this uh, to to listen to this. You know, you somehow like, oh, there's so, so many people out there with bigger problems than us, mm-hmm. and we complain. So uh, it was it was quite difficult, and then um, when I actually came back to the Philippines after two years in Ethiopia, I had a, what they call reverse culture shock. Mm-hmm. I only read about it, but then, um, yeah, it's real. <laughs> probably when you go back to the Philippines also, uh, if you go, uh, whenever you go back to the Philippines, you probably also experience some kind of reverse culture shock that you feel like uh, you are a foreigner in your, in your own country. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you question among um, a lot of things, a lot of the systems and, <laughs> and things That's like true. that. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's a leap of faith. Um, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Wow. But <laughs> Just with that introduction, I mean, that's already too, I mean, heavy for me. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Cause it's, it's somewhat humbling that, you know, we realize that we're somewhat living in, in the privilege that, you know, we, we complain what you're saying. We complain a lot uh, about our lives, about our hardships, but we, we forget that other people are also, you know, having more, even more problems than us and even more dire problems than what we're experiencing. I mean, it, we, it doesn't negate the, you know, the problems that we have, but yeah, we should also have a global perspective that our problems may be smaller than, than other people in, in the other parts of the world. If you're going to think of that as a perspective, then you might think that this is not something that I should, you know, exert a lot of effort in or, or worry about. So that's, that, that's really something. Um, so uh, you started, you know, uh, you mentioned that even before you went to Ethiopia, to South Sudan, you were all already involved in humanitarian work in Gawad Kalinga, in community development and social activism. So how, how did you uh, hear about or uh, move to um, humanity and, 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 and inclusion? How did you hear about that organization? So humanity and inclusion, it used to be called Handicap International. International. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they are actually uh, doing more um, physical rehabilitation, actually, in, in, mm-hmm. in developing countries. So I think there was already kind of, okay, uh, this is, if I go to this uh, um, humanitarian work, probably this will be the first organization that I will apply to. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in Ethiopia, like I said, you know, there's this big... Um, big group of humanitarian workers, development workers, volunteer mm-hmm. workers. We come together and talk and share, you know. And uh, at some point, I think I was invited to um, help with, uh, with a training um, uh, with a training program uh, conducted by uh, Handicap International at that mm-hmm. time. If I remember, I was actually asked to 
um, to give uh, a, uh, like a presentation on WCPT something I can't forget, but it was had, it had something to do with the World Confederation of Therapists. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I was presenting it, and then one of the the project managers of, of Handicap International told me, you know what, Raisa, why don't you apply um, in in HI because um, it seems like this is really something that you want to do. So um, I did uh, after my volunteering stint. I did apply. So I applied for a for a for a job in Ethiopia, but then I was offered a job in South Sudan as a as a project manager. I have never been project manager before, can you? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and and this was in like a, in a in a country that I didn't know about, and this was the newest country in the world. There was a lot of um, history of conflict, you know, fifty mm-hmm. years of conflict. Uh, something new to me. Mm. Uh, it was definitely not like Ethiopia at all. So I, I, came, I went there and I thought, okay, yeah, fake it till you make it. True, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, I'll I'll just go and then I'll I'll see if I um if I can do this. Mm-hmm. So I had like a, maybe a six month contract and then it became eighteen months. So it became. Um, you know, it was extended and extended and extended. So I was in South Sudan for 18 months doing, um, a, they call it victim assistance project manager. So a victim assistance project is um, uh, you are actually uh, providing uh, physical rehabilitation or what we call functional rehabilitation um, to the survivors of uh, landmines, for example. So there were a lot of landmines there Um and 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 weapons, you know, uh, as as a as a remnants uh, or remnants of war, um, we would say. So there were um, a lot of um, physical disabilities. So uh, we were um, doing, um, you know, home visits, physical rehabilitation. We were uh, providing assistive devices. Uh, so that was my 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 first job. <laughs> it was my first job in 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 HI, and from then, um, yeah, I, I I moved on to. Um, other um, other positions, you know, mm-hmm. like failed, uh, uh, failed coordinators. So you coordinate like a whole uh, uh, different projects in in one area. For example, I mm-hmm. became operations coordinator and then I became country director eventually. So uh, yeah, the the faking it till you make it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> strategy worked I guess but I did it was a very steep learning process um, mm-hmm. for me. the good thing is that um, Handicap International or Humanity and Inclusion now gave me a lot of opportunity to learn mm-hmm. there's a lot of resources that were available uh, to me I was studying um, uh, during my uh, you know weekends mm-hmm. and on, uh, on how to manage projects, for example, how to manage budgets and, and, and things like that, mm-hmm. security and, and crisis management. So everything, everything else though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so how many years have you been in, in HI now? Uh, I think a decade, yeah, 10 years. Uh, I started in 2011. Yeah. Wow. I've never left since Nice. So you really did find your passion there. So could you tell us uh, more about uh, humanity and inclusion? What's the, you know, uh, main aims or goals or advocacy? So humanity and inclusion. um, Okay. Uh, Initially, uh, we were um, supporting more persons with disabilities, uh, Mm -hmm. as as suggests Handicap International. Right. Recently, in 2017, um, we changed our name to Humanity and Inclusion to mm-hmm. reflect what we really do as an organization. Because um, many, many people know us only as, a, as an organization that supports persons with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we, we do a lot more. Um, we actually do, um, like, for example, landmines. Uh, mm-hmm. We clear landmines. Um, yeah. And, and wow. uh, in, in areas where, uh, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of remnants of war, for mm-hmm. example, and and I'm really proud about this because our uh, landmine clearers are actually there's a lot of women uh, in that team. Yeah, so to and, and it's a very dangerous job. So I was about so to ask that. Uh, how do you how do you clear a land landmines? Do you like throw stuff and try to detonate <laughs> it? <laughs> 
it's a whole new science to me actually uh, i haven't i haven't had the opportunity to directly work in that kind of project but uh-huh. lots of my colleagues do and hopefully uh, in the future i would i would really want to do to, to have that kind of experience so yeah here landmines and you know clearing landmines has a you know far reaching impact it mm. means that land that lands can now be used for for farming for example to improve the livelihood of people uh, it means that uh, we can put uh, up schools already mm. you know um, we, with transportation we can put up uh, we can we can build roads uh, for for mm. for transportation you know things like that and at the same time um having uh, what we call the, the the nationals or the, the the local people also help with the clearing um, mm-hmm. of the landmines also gives uh, gives them um, um, livelihood as mm-hmm. well um, employment so that's just one and of course um, with the with the landmines uh, we, we have a lot of uh, persons who have amputations you know uh, persons right. with amputations and and we we help them we give them um, HI also gives them um, prosthesis in fact uh hi also does 3d printing oh for prosthesis nice. yes um because this is a most uh, this is the most cost efficient um cost effective way of providing prosthesis to uh less resourced settings i would mm-hmm. say uh, because you know the normal prosthesis it, it we people cannot afford them Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. But then uh, with 3D printing, um, the initial cost is 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 high, but eventually uh, there's value for money there because we, you can produce a lot mm-hmm. uh, in, in a short span of time, and you can also like uh, really uh, provide adjustments really um, easily. So this is good for uh, emergency settings as well. Um, you know, so uh, this is just one, and of course, uh, we do a humanitarian response or emergency response. Like now in Nepal, uh, there was an earthquake in 2015, mm-hmm. so we also helped um, uh, with physical rehabilitation and at the same time, uh, provision of prosthesis and orthosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do uh, help the government hospitals, especially mm-hmm. to strengthen their um uh their capacity uh, mm-hmm. provide them uh, with like say initial equipment and training and things like that uh, for sustainability mm-hmm. because as an, an international organization our job is act uh, our our purpose is actually to work ourselves out of the job right mm, okay we need to uh, uh, develop the capacity of, mm-hmm. of those who are there so that uh, even if we are no longer there they're able to continue right uh, we, a lot of inclusive education as well mm-hmm. to make sure that children with disabilities have access to education. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things, health, uh, mm-hmm. health, uh, um, health projects. Uh, like for example, in the Philippines, we 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 did a diabetes prevention project because uh, diabetes and non-communicable diseases can lead to disability as well right right it's really about uh, disability prevention and also uh, preventing more disabilities that comes out of from from these like uh, non-communicable diseases mm-hmm. um, a lot of things actually and and recently with the uh, we were also um, doing like for for uh, the Ebola um, Ebola response, we're also helping out with logistics, um, transport. Uh, uh-huh. Like uh, uh, HI was helping out with um, the ambulance fleet, for example. So it's a whole uh, <laughs> it's a whole humanitarian and development uh, right. work. I think that the the and also we we um, ensure that our programs are gender sensitive mm-hmm. uh, and uh, disability inclusive mm-hmm. and uh, we make sure that um, people uh, who are vulnerable or at risk of inclusion have access to even the basic services uh, while at the same time also um, letting them uh, know uh, the rights uh, their rights their human rights so that they can also ask for this uh, in, in, with a, uh, from from their governments mm-hmm. so i don't know i mean i i can just go on and on but this right. is not sure of what we do yeah that that's a lot so mm-hmm. as you were saying that uh from handicap 
international that focused more on disability really expanded uh, the the scope of what the organization is really focusing uh, in poverty, explosives, um, health, um, uh, what else? Res- emergency response education. and all education. Mm-hmm. No, that's a lot. So you mentioned earlier that you, as a humanitarian worker, you're working yourself up, out of uh, of the community. So, is there you know uh, how long do you usually like stay in a community, or is there um, certain key factors that would tell you, okay, this community is already able to stand on and their own probably we can slowly you know go go our separate ways um it's a, there, there's a lot of factors mm-hmm. um, definitely. like for example in indonesia we are uh, slowly um wrapping our operations in indonesia mm-hmm. because they are becoming a middle-income country now oh, okay yeah. uh-huh. so we usually work in lower lower um income countries or lower uh-huh. middle countries so mm-hmm. we are getting ourselves out of indonesia because um the government uh, can already support um uh, the organization so the thing with international organizations is we support mm-hmm. the government we do not okay. replace them. yeah mm-hmm. we do not replace them at all so that's why um sometimes uh people say okay why are you not giving um support in mm-hmm. you know, when, when there is a, a a disaster for example because mm-hmm. Uh, in certain um, in certain situations in certain places, the government actually has the capacity um, okay. to support. So we do not uh, replace the government. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, becoming a, a middle income country is, is is one of the one of the things as well. And then you you see because um, right from the beginning of the of the projects that we have, we do some kind of a baseline survey. So mm-hmm. where are we um, at the moment? So uh, let's say okay, the poverty rate right now is this and or the or uh, these are the the number of children who are accessing education at the beginning of the project for example mm-hmm. and then at the end of the project let's say three years or five years uh, we we measure um, mm-hmm. also the the let's say the the improvements we mm-hmm. would say and uh, at in the middle as well we we also measure uh, so that we can um, adjust our our activities as well. So it's a whole new. I mean, you cannot just dive into it without learning about monitoring, evaluation, mm-hmm. accountability, mm-hmm. Uh, also evidence. Uh, it has to be evidence based. Also, what we're doing. So yeah. Um, so we 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 all our projects do have a beginning mm-hmm. and they have an end. And then uh, always, yeah. Mm-hmm. So with all those uh, things that you you take care of i mean put attention with the emergency response disability rehabilitation landmines explosives health which which aspect is is more challenging in your experience in addressing in 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 certain you know um areas that you have handled i think both are um Uh challenging so what uh what we usually do now is like okay uh, sometimes i can say that emergency response is more challenging because we need to provide life-saving services yeah Uh it's it's about life and death okay Uh like for example uh if there's earthquake or there's flood or there's a typhoon and and a certain community has been cut off mm-hmm. because you know, the roads are, are damaged or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's no communication, electricity is down, telecommunication is down. So it means that this uh, community is uh, really um, in need of a lot of, of, of support. Mm-hmm. So that is life-saving. You have to bring them water, for example, or food or mm-hmm. uh, even uh, warm clothes, uh, tents, uh, shelters, you know. So the the challenge with this is that uh, is the time actually mm-hmm. so you have to be really fast mm-hmm. but the problem in 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 some uh, in some countries is that we have to deal with all the red tape <laughs> you know government red tape okay you know you have to ask permission from this department you have to do this and do that and i think we've seen that in in a lot of uh, uh, disasters in the Philippines, for example, with uh, with Yolanda and then, mm, you know, right. uh, that uh, you know. So if if the government does not have that system, then it becomes very difficult for for organizations to actually deliver aid. Um, and then at the same time, so th- th- that's one the time, and at the same time, security as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, work in um, really insecure um, places, 
as well. I myself worked in South Sudan, where uh, you don't know if you go to the community and <laughs> if you can ever go back to your base, you know. Um, but the, yeah, so you have to be very, um, let's say, uh, be very cautious. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you have to know how to interact with the communities respectfully. You have to know their culture. Um, mm-hmm. For example, you have to know how to communicate with them, to develop relationships, uh, build relationships. Um, with them um, for us to be so that they can assist you mm-hmm. in um, accessing the communities that are most in need um, yeah and of course uh, one other challenge for us is really funding okay uh, because right. they're like like for example now there's a lot of crisis all over the world there's Afghanistan there's Haiti there's Myanmar and then um, if you are in a country where you know nothing really is happening uh, let's say uh, that is in the media then the funding actually goes to these uh, really um, visible highly highly um, publicized crisis yeah exactly mm-hmm. highly publicized crisis and so here we are in Nepal uh, there's still a need for uh, let's say nutrition for example mm-hmm. or there's still need for food in other areas or water but then uh, yeah we're competing actually mm-hmm. with, with uh, sorry to use the word we're competing with the other crisis so um, yeah it's it's uh, uh, it's it's tough but uh, somehow um, we, we, we manage uh, mm-hmm. and also there's a lot of criticism mm-hmm. um, right now as well with uh, with the humanitarian organizations um, for example you know uh, sometimes they're like okay are you really um, are you li- really have having an impact um, in, in the community mm-hmm. working uh, you know uh, so yeah, all yeah. these things. And also, we have to be careful with uh, what we call we have the do no harm policy. Mm-hmm. When we go to the communities, we have to make sure that uh, we are not we are not doing any harm, mm-hmm. more harm, uh, more harm than good. Instead, mm-hmm. sometimes it's very unintentional mm-hmm. that we uh, you know that we do something that actually harms the uh, the communities that we are working with, like. A specific example in the Philippines, there was this typhoon, and my organization went uh, to a specific uh, community to give uh, cash grants. So these are, you know, a small cash to allow them to buy some basic needs, for example, uh, soap or sugar or rice or whatever they need. Right. And we give cash because, you know, it somehow preserves the dignity. Um, of, of of the people, right? Um, That's right. They have the opportunity to choose. It's not like, okay, you know, uh, we give you this uh, can of sardines and, and they don't need that can of sardines, for example. They need medicines. Mm-hmm. So we gave cash. Anyway, um, everyone was happy and everything. And then there was this old woman who was like looking troubled. So we asked her, um, you know, are, are you happy to get the cash? She said, yes, I'm very happy. And I'm very, very happy with the support that I'm getting. But what is the problem? So she's like, yeah, but when I go home, I'm so scared because I might be beaten up by my son. <laughs> so the son-in-law apparently was a drunkard. And oh. uh, you know, if you give the money, then, um, then uh, you know, she, uh, the, the money will be taken away from her and right. she will be beaten up. So, you know, these are the like things small things that you have to think about um as well when you when you de- deliver aid so mm-hmm. it's uh it's, it's quite it's quite complicated yeah mm-hmm. right <laughs> so so with all with all those challenges um you mentioned criticisms and um like even the i mean I would imagine the emotional toll. So what keeps you moving forward? What keeps you in, in that area and, and say that, you know, I'll keep on doing this. I'll keep on helping people. Yes. Yeah, so, um, Johan, I think um, seven, more than 75% of humanitarian workers have a mental, uh, how to call it, um, mental problems, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. or psychosocial uh, problems mm-hmm. one way or the other mm-hmm. and um, this is not easy uh, mm-hmm. because uh, you know we, we we get burnt out right. a lot and we still continue to work mm-hmm. 
because you know we we basically what we say you know if 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 we stop if we stop working there's going to be um uh, far reaching um impacts mm-hmm. you know if if we stop working so you know we we kind of uh, continue to work and we also suffer with what we call compassion fatigue right so um i think this is also i mean even with clinicians um in the hospitals mm-hmm. uh, we we suffer um uh, compassion fatigue mm-hmm. um, most of the time uh, uh when we're seeing a lot of of, of suffering for example so uh, we do um, value um, self-care mm-hmm. and many of the organizations have started to have this well-being policy where um, we are provided with um, at least the opportunity to access uh, psychologists or psychiatrists mm-hmm. um, for for example for us to be able to, to speak, speak with them if, if needed mm-hmm. and the new bread of um, managers and leaders in the humanitarian world are becoming more and more into this you know um, really taking care of, of, mm-hmm. of, of the team for you mm-hmm. to be able to, to take care of others right. uh, yeah we, we, we do a lot of uh, let's say you know fun things i would say you know in the philippines we did a lot of karaoke mm-hmm. but um at some point uh, some have it easy than others i mean for me personally i was um i actually had to be treated um uh, by a by a psychiatrist and also had to take um, some uh, medications uh, to manage my anxiety and, and mm. ptsd actually because um in 2016, um, I, I was caught up with with with, with my team um, in the middle of uh, of a of a crisis or like mm-hmm. a civil war, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was right. a very difficult moment for us. You know, we the our neighbor was bombed and things like that. There was lots of people dying, and wow. and so it was difficult uh, for us. Uh, we were eventually evacuated, of course, but then. Uh, it took a toll, and I couldn't talk about the experience for one year, and I had mm-hmm. to, to to see a, a professionals uh, for mm-hmm. that and be right. um, really really treated. So many of us are also going this way, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, somehow uh, you just kind of toil on. Uh, you just you just continue because uh, this is something that I think. Uh, I would really see myself doing uh, until I retire, um, I guess. And even when I retire, I was actually th- think, thinking and telling my husband maybe uh, when I retire or when we retire, um, we can probably uh, set up our own or create our own um, NGO mm. you know, the, uh, just to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, what you started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. right. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that to us. Thank you for sharing that part of your life that really, you know, if you, you see these things happening around you, you, you wouldn't really get, you know, you won't get numb because you, you really absorb it. And as you mentioned, a lot would also have experienced um, PTSDs, uh, have some secondary burnout, compassion fatigue, you know, vicarious experiences. So that's, yeah. But, so thank you for shedding light to us that, you know, it's it's not something that, you know, we should be um, locking away. We should be able to talk about that and sharing that to others that this is a reality, um, especially in, in areas or occupations like yours where you're really at the, you know, forefront of those um, events. Um, what are the lessons that you have learned and uh, continually share throughout your experience from, from VS, VSO to HI? Well, I think one of the, of the biggest lessons I would say that I'm taking away from this uh, would be like, uh, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's personal for mm-hmm. me because, I'm able now to understand others better. I, mm-hmm. I always that, you know, sometimes it's very easy for us to judge mm-hmm. people when things happen or, or judge people when they say something or do something. Uh, but it has, this profession has allowed me to look 
at uh, the root causes of why people do this or people do that. Why is there poverty or why is this, you know, uh, and, and then it, it actually makes you less biased or less prejudiced, for example. Mm. Uh, it, it changes the way uh, you, you look at uh, the world and you look at things. I'm becoming more tolerant, I would mm-hmm. say becoming more patient, less judgmental, mm-hmm. and uh, more accepting um, mm-hmm. of, of others, uh, you know, weaknesses or, or peculiarities and, and things like that, more accepting of the culture um, of other people. And I think, like, you know, we, we, we always, uh, we talk about um, discrimination or racial mm-hmm. discrimination or, or uh, Okay, let me set that as, as an example of um, mm-hmm. uh, like racism. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as, as a Filipino, of course, I do experience racism um, in, in, in this sector as well. And uh, I also see that um, in, in, in a lot of the, of the countries where I go. But then um, it, it allows me to, to, to really step back. I think the experience has allowed me to step back and, and try to understand um try to understand the culture try to understand the background their history why what why things are happening so what i would say is that it has hopefully uh, made me become a better uh, a better person more mature and more level-headed and mm-hmm. uh, perhaps um, i i also like to say that i've become more of an advocate for uh, let's say diversity mm-hmm. um, inclusion um, equality and equity and and, mm-hmm. and justice um, uh, things like that, and mm-hmm. probably also, um, I'm, 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 it makes me appreciate the resilience of, of people more. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it makes me appreciate um, as well uh, the the capacity of of the of, of the communities that we, that we serve. Because sometimes when we go to the communities, we we feel like we are heroes. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, I'm here to save you. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, we're going to give you this, we're going to give you that. But then it's not the case, actually. Um, uh, sometimes we are there and uh, we just kind of give them a little push and they're able to stand up on, on, on their own again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, I think I have uh, become more of a believer in, in, in people's ability to bounce back Mm-hmm. Uh, from you know, from when when, when they have fallen or, or or things like that. Sorry, this is very cliche, but that is the uh, the reality, really. So, mm-hmm. and uh, lastly, um, I think um, I'm I'm in that um, uh, I'm in that stage where I am able also to uh, let's say share my opinions and my perspectives about about. Uh, you know, social activism, uh, what is happening in the world, for example, and how we can um, contribute in our own individual way. So that's why I'm actually like um, always happy if someone invites me for these kind of things because it, it also gives me the, that opportunity to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to maybe um, encourage others to, mm-hmm. to help out or, mm-hmm. or to contribute one way or the other. Yeah. Right. I see. I see. Really, while talking to you and you know, hearing your stories and what you've are going through and been through, I I do feel a, a sense of uh, my my perspective has has changed. That you know, um, there are bigger things that we should also be concerned of not just our own life, not just our own town and country. There are other, there are global problems that we need attention to and also contribute as what you're saying. Um, So if someone uh, would ask you if volunteerism or humanitarian work would be for them, what, what can you advise them? Well, um, like I said, it's not it's not for everybody. So you have to mm-hmm. um, test the waters first. Mm-hmm. And I tested the waters by volunteering, for example, for Gawad Kalinga. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I volunteered with Gawad Kalinga with other people. And then they thought, okay, this is not for me. You mm-hmm. know, because uh, when you go, when you get into this kind of work, 
everybody's second um, priority. Yeah, I mean, I I got married Johan very late, <laughs> and I got uh, I got a kid really late. I got the kid when I was forty, um, because um, you know I couldn't get away from from work actually mm-hmm. to do other things. So uh, they they have to to test the waters first, start slow, and see if this is something that they can imagine uh, doing um, for, for for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we, you also have to see um, uh, what kind of support system you have mm-hmm. because it's really important to have a support system. It's really important to have friends and family who understand um, what you're doing. Uh, there are times that I was not able to see my family for years. Yeah. So, you know, um, there are times that I was alone in a, in a bush, for example, in a remote area in South Sudan where I, I couldn't talk to, to, to anybody. So mm-hmm. uh, you also have to know yourself. Uh, you have to do some kind of self, uh, self-reflection, but it's all worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't actually imagine um, doing um, it. Anything uh, different, actually, mm-hmm. from from what I'm doing right now, and also I would say uh, maybe because you know, I mean, uh, probably our audience will be more uh, physical therapist. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I would say that that being a physical therapist ha- has really helped me navigate all the challenges of, of of my work because you know when we were still students, we would go for internships everywhere you know during the internship would go in 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 communities and right. sometimes we uh, we have uh, uh, we we are being put or we put ourselves in situations where we need to solve uh, problems or solve a lot of issues on our own so that that also really helped me and uh, you know um, studying as a, a physical therapist it actually uh, needs a lot of, of, of work, resilience, hard work, commitment. So mm-hmm. I think this was kind of transferred. Uh, <laughs> these are transferable uh, skills, you know, right. that, that, that I've, um, kind of carried with me mm-hmm. um, in, in the humanitarian work. And as well as evidence-based, um, evidence-based, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you do something that has to be backed with evidence so that mm-hmm. you're doing, uh, you're not doing any harm uh, mm-hmm. to the community that you um, that you work with yeah. mm-hmm. right there I would you know we've talked a lot already and I would ha- want to ask you a lot more questions but that was already you know packed with a lot of stories and insights and different perspectives from your experiences probably we can have you again for a, 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 <laughs> a part two session for this but um before I, I let you go, I, I just want to really thank you again for, you know, sharing your your stories, your experiences, and what you've been through. And I want to acknowledge you for the work that you've been doing, uh, helping out in, in different parts of the world, um, advocating for uh, inclusion, diversity, equity, justice, and helping out in rehabilitation and the you know, development of communities and uh, uh, advocating for the, the population in the communities that you work with. So I just want to acknowledge you that there. So um, again, before I let you go, I just have, I usually get asked my last three questions, my last bites. Um, sure. <laughs> so first one is you've um, been, I guess, um, had a lot of like speaking engagement, but what is something that you wish people would ask you that, you know, something that is worth sharing? Well, you know, um, I, in my, in my speaking engagement, I was asked one thing that uh, really took me by surprise, but I think this is something important, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about my work and humanitarian work. So somebody asked me, do you regret um, getting uh-huh. into that's a good question that's a good question yeah it was was actually a good question uh, Uh because you know i was like oh okay i haven't really thought about this Mm -hmm. but yeah um uh, and i i told them i do (laughs) i do regret uh, sometimes uh when i put myself in situations where uh, in highly insecure situations for example i sometimes think that oh okay you know what have i gotten myself into what have i put my families into Mm -hmm. you know I, i i put them in a lot of of a worry, a concern, anxiety, and, and and things like that. And sometimes I think, is it is it is this really worth it? Mm-hmm. You know, 
So yeah, um, this is the the question that I do not hear a lot, but I think it's it's a really good one. <laughs> so how do you how do you shake off that regret? I mean, all of us probably would have like some regrets in our lives, and we we cope differently. But for your for your personal experience, how do you like try to shake off that regret? What do you try to see? You know. Um, I, I, I go back to that story of the mm. of the of the children who are being um, thrown in the river, and that's mm, it. That's and, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know that the, the, those stories, the story of that mm-hmm. boy with spinal cord injury, mm-hmm. and yeah, that kind yeah. of like uh, throws me back into, <laughs> into <laughs> work mode. You know, uh-huh. it yeah. uh, kind of rejuvenates me, and, and mm-hmm. yeah. So you just think of the, the the people, the children that you're fighting for, right? Yeah. Okay. My my second question is, how can um, someone thrive in whatever area or specialty that they practice in? Well, you have to believe in yourself, um, definitely. You have to mm-hmm. believe that um, you can you can do uh, whatever you you want to do if you put your mind and heart to it but of course you have to put in skills as well so you have to continue growing um uh, professional development is really important whatever uh, profession you're in uh, you know whether you're a musician or you're a physiotherapist you're a humanitarian worker you have to keep on growing Mm-hmm. and have fun actually mm-hmm. um yeah you have to keep that sense of humor mm-hmm. uh and uh yeah just just i i always tell my team all the time to even if you are in a situation where you're almost dying <laughs> that you know just 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 think about uh something positive mm-hmm. um and 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 somehow it uh it it keeps you afloat mm-hmm. until until a solution is found. So yeah, um, I think it's believing in yourself, keep mm-hmm. growing professionally and, and personally, and uh, don't forget your sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like what you said the last one that you know um, uh, try to keep positive until a solution is found. I remember a friend told me that. Um, why would you think about your the problem if you can't think of a solution, right? So worry about the problem if you already know if there's already a solution. No yeah. sense of worrying if you don't have, you know, you don't know how to address it. So why worry? <laughs> Something like that. I agree, yes. <laughs> What's the point of worrying? <laughs> yeah, right. So until you can come out of the, for a solution or at least close to a solution, that's when you start to think about the problem. But <laughs> if you don't know the answer to it, so why worry about it now? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, my, my, my third question is, um, the podcast is named uh, as a PT meal. It's a complete meal of stories, information, and insights. Um, so what are the three ingredients um, that are essential in your life? It can be a, a motto that you live by, a value, a principle uh, that you carry each and every day of your life that are, uh, that are you know, essential. So what are the three ingredients that make up rice at the heat? I would say first and foremost, integrity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I am really, uh, that is something that I, that I value the most. And with integrity, of course, um, you get respect from people. You also respect people. Uh, you are, uh, you're accountable uh, for, mm-hmm. for whatever, um, whatever you do, whatever you say. And, and at the same time, it's just, uh, you know, when you are, when you have integrity, you are, you are trustworthy and people uh, put their trust in you and, and you know, um, they see you as, as someone who is reliable and who can help them. And I think it's really important in our, in our line of work. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I would also think creativity um, mm-hmm. is, is the second one. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, whatever line of work you do you you just have to be creative Uh, creative in in terms of finding solutions to problems Uh, um, you know creative uh, in terms of uh, maybe putting your message across 
you know, and, and by the way, I mean, having this PT meal, I think this is just a really, really creative um, a way of, 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 of uh, you know, um, uh, getting our message out there um, about our profession, for example, and, 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 and the different options that we have and how we can contribute to the world. So, uh, it's it's really something uh, really important to me, and when I when I have my uh, when I'm with my team, I always um, emphasize uh, the value of of, of creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow, uh, when we are creative, it's just very easy to find solutions because we always think out of the box. So, yeah. Um, And uh, probably uh, the last one um, is, uh, well, it's it's somehow related to integrity, but really accountability. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, um, I think I would put that um, separately. Mm -hmm. Accountability, uh, we do a lot of things. uh, And sometimes we do we, we have a lot of mistakes as well mm-hmm. and that we have to be accountable uh, for this uh, we should not be blaming others for um, the failures of our lives because mm-hmm. we are accountable uh, for 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 what happens in our lives you know mm-hmm. and um, at the same time accountable to the people we are uh, we are helping um, accountable to our profession um, right. you know we have to to be sure that we are really professionals uh, doing things ethically mm-hmm. and um, yeah uh, and, and and if we see something that is not right that we we speak about it uh, and we speak up and maybe if there are if there are people that uh, cannot find their voice for example that we speak uh, speak for them um, as well so maybe you're saying that you know uh, if, if there's a motto that that I always go back to uh, I think it's uh, you know um, uh, this motto that's really common but uh, I cannot memorize it verbatim um, uh, <laughs> but it's you know uh, the, the, the only way for for evil to flourish is for uh, for good men to uh, not do anything mm-hmm. or, or, right or to remain silent right yeah to remain silent exactly exactly mm-hmm. so um yeah uh, i think that's right. those those are three right <laughs> yeah integrity integrity is is doing the right thing even when no one's watching creativity uh thinking out outside the box and accountability being responsible for your actions and for the consequences of those actions those are the three ingredients of rice the hito all right. Again, thank you very much for being in the show, Riza. And as a takeaway, yung pabaon natin sa mga listeners, uh, what is one thing that you want uh, our listeners to take away from our conversation today? Well, um, uh, I think I have, I have, uh, I've spoken a lot um, about yes. my experience. <laughs> my experience. So maybe ang pabaon lang is really we um, each of us have. Uh, have a role to play mm-hmm. in our society, whether it's in the, in your community, in your house, in the world, and uh, tap into that um, tap into that opportunity, and uh, and uh, you know take advantage of this opportunity because not everybody has that uh, you know um, has has the ability and also the the, the time and opportunity to. Um, be able to let's say contribute um, mm-hmm. to address the issues um, everywhere, whether right. it's in your house or <laughs> in the clinic, in the world, and mm-hmm. and everywhere. So uh, maybe just uh, in 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 Tagalog, um, I don't know if it's good in Tagalog because I'm Bisaya actually. So maybe it's like you know when there is a, when there is a chance for you uh, mm-hmm. to do something good, do it. Mm, that's good. That's a good advice. Um, if people want to learn more about uh, humanity and inclusion and how they can help, um, probably interested in joining where they can, where can they uh, go? 
Yes, so uh, humanitarian inclusion, we, I mean, you can Google it actually, <laughs> humanitarian inclusion, and we do have um, a, a website. So there are uh, several websites from our different offices all over the world. Um, there are um, um, some, uh, you know, different opportunities to actually contribute. You can contribute through, uh, through um, you know, mo- monetary donations, for example. You can contribute your time or maybe uh, see if there are opportunities to volunteer. Um, in, in, in your area. Um, actually, we have an office also in, in, in the U.S. Uh, oh. uh, it's, it's in Maryland. Uh, oh, I used to be in Maryland. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so our office is in Maryland. And, you know, uh, you can also be like a sort of a, a, an ambassador, for example, uh, you know, a, a local ambassador. So there are several ways of, of um, contributing to, to our costs, definitely. Just thank you, check thank out um, hi.org very short uh, website hi.org. hi.org all right check that out and again Raja, thank you very much uh, for being in the show we, i really learned a lot from you thank you johan and as they say in, in nepal uh, namaste <laughs> and um, i hope that uh, you'll be able to reach uh, more people with your with your um, podcast i i really love Uh, being here and uh, all the best to you as well. Thank you for listening to PT Meal Podcast. If you like the show and want to support it, please follow the podcast's social media accounts in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Share the episodes you're listening to or episodes you love to listen to so that the message can reach more people. Also, if you have anything to share with everyone about the profession or your practice do contact me and we can work something out if you have any suggestions feedbacks questions about the show or the guests uh, of the show you can reach me through all the podcast social media accounts or through the website www.ptmealpodcast.com or through email at ptmealpodcast at gmail.com right looking forward to hearing from you Thanks. Just a reminder, folks, the podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. The show strives to keep all information true and correct, but humans sometimes make mistakes. Factual errors may be present, so we encourage the listeners to do their own research on the featured topics as well. Now, let's go back to the show.